Start again. Thanks for coming out this morning. Okay. We're going to move through today's service. We're not going to rush it, but we are going to try and be short and get us out to our holiday celebration, Christmas, whatever we got. You know, last week we had a Christmas skit. Someone is coming to our house. That was one of the best Christmas skits I have ever seen in my life. Thank you, Children's Ministry. Awesome job. Three we said statements from last week. We said someone very special came to our house. Not just to a manger, not just to a stable in Bethlehem, but to the world, to the house of mankind. Then we said that very special person was none other than God himself in human form, flesh and blood, a baby boy, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the reason for the season. You've heard that. It's very trite, but it's also very true. Then we said, there's a purpose in his coming. This wasn't just random, something nice that would happen. There was a, there's a purpose in Christmas, and we would talk about that purpose today, we said last week. The purpose goes way beyond Jesus' birth. Jesus was, in a very real sense, born to die. Well, wait, Pastor, aren't we all born to die? No. What's the difference? It is true that we must all die, but he was born to die. Stay with me. It was the purpose of his life to die. It is not the purpose of your life to die. It's the consequence of sin that we must die. It was the purpose of his life to die. His was a special birth, vastly different than ours. His would be a very special death, vastly different than ours. Matthew 20, 28. For even the Son of Man came... Not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life. Why did he come? He came to give his life as a ransom for many. He was born to die. It's the whole purpose of his birth. Again, we must die. We don't have a choice because of our sin. He did not have to die because he never sinned. Tempted in all ways such as us, but without sin. The sinless Lamb of God sacrificed for sin. Jesus didn't have to die. He chose to die. He chose voluntarily to give up his life. He came to give his life. A ransom. A payback. To buy the human race back to God. Needed to be a death sacrifice, but it could only be a sinless person. That couldn't be you, and it couldn't be me. It could only be him. And he didn't have to choose to. People say, yeah, well, he had to. No, he didn't. He made that choice as a man under the leading and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, not as God. You see the difference. We must die because of sin. He chose to die. For us. Romans 5.8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us 
while we were still sinners. Jesus' birth, which we celebrate today, Christmas. Jesus' death, which we'll celebrate probably in April, March or April, Easter. They're two of the primary and greatest themes in all of Scripture, his birth and his death. They're the two greatest celebrations of the church calendar year, Christmas and Easter. But here's an interesting note, and this is just from the Did You Know department. Did you know God never commanded his people to celebrate, remember, or commemorate his son's birth? Interesting fact. We're never told by God, commanded by God, to remember or to celebrate his birth. I'm not being critical of Christmas at all, just factual. It can be the most wonderful time of the year. But it's not something that God called his people to do. It's something we have chosen to do. However, and you probably know where I'm going, God definitely commanded his people to celebrate, remember, commemorate his what? His death. Resurrection, ascension. 1 Corinthians 11, I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this, an imperative, a command. Do this in remembrance of me. Continuing on, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, Jesus' blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's, not his birth, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. What are we commanded to do? We're commanded to remember his death. But obviously there would be no death, resurrection, and ascension without a birth. So the birth is extremely important. The death is what we commemorate. If Jesus would have just been born, it would have done nothing for us. He needed to die in order for us to benefit from his birth and his life. Following that, the title of this is Born to Die, by the way. So we're going to celebrate communion together. And I'm going to give us some instructions on how we do communion in this church. Anyone here, regular worshiper, visitor who has professed faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, you know him, you're welcome to join with us in communion. Our church practices what is called an open table. Simply means communion is open to any believer, as opposed to some churches have a closed table, which means you must belong to that church, you must be a member, or maybe you had to be baptized there. And not everybody can partake. Here, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're welcome to join in communion with us. I want to give you a gentle warning. Don't enter into communion lightly. I didn't read the verses in Corinthians for sake of time, but Paul goes on to say, let every man examine himself before he takes communion. And that examination is not for dis- to disqualify. Like examine yourself and find out... <gasps> 
I can't take communion. That's not it at all. It's examine yourself, and as you examine yourself, if the Holy Spirit shows you something that is amiss in your life, take care of it. If he shows you there's sin that has come between you, he shows you you've let something slip, you've become complacent and different, whatever he may show you, what he's leading you to is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we're back on track and we're back in fellowship and we can take communion together. But don't just disregard that gentle warning. Don't just not examine your life and see if he wants to point something out. But it's not to disqualify, it's to qualify. Confession and repentance will put us in a position to freely take communion together with the family. If you're uncertain, if you know the Lord, if you have that relationship, that salvation relationship, then sincerely pray as you're examining yourself. Something very simple for now. Tell Jesus you want to know him. Ask him to come into your life and that you're giving your life to him. That's all you need to do today, and then we'll talk more about what that is and where it goes from here. But if you're not sure you know him, tell him you want to know him. Ask him to come in as your Lord and Savior. Give yourself to him. Take communion with us. Tell me that you did that. Lastly, children of any age are welcome to participate in communion. However, we do ask that parents or guardians make sure that as much as they can, at their age appropriateness, they understand what's going on. They're not going to understand all the theological implications. Who of us does, right? But at least at their age, they know this isn't a joke. This isn't just coming up here to eat something and get something to drink. You know, somehow they understand this is... This is an important, it is a serious, it is a serious, but it also should be a very enjoyable time together when we celebrate communion. Make sure they understand that. Here's how we're going to actually partake in communion. You move to the center aisle. If you're coming up to take communion, you move to the center aisle. You come up. I will serve you. My wife's not here. We often do it together. I love serving you communion. It's a great joy for me, so I will serve you. Hold, we have that. They're not Christmas cookies, Jamie. They're not Christmas cookies <laughs> under there. Steve threw you under the bus. I'm sorry. It's unleavened bread. Looks like crackers. But you get your unleavened bread and you get the juice. It's not wine. The Monus boys always want to take communion because they think they're getting some wine over here. I had to assure the head of Monos it's not wine, it's juice when we do communion. So you get your unleavened bread and you get your juice. Don't take it right away. Go back to your pew. When everybody's served, I'll pray, and then we'll partake together. Okay? So if you're going to take communion, you can stand now, move to the center aisle, go back to side aisles.